This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I want to be where the pizzas are. And I think the coolest thing is that there's a restaurant at the very, very, like, once you're done with the hike, and this they make pizzas out of the heat, the volcanic heat cooks, like it makes, they make the pizzas there. And I just didn't expect, I was completely blown away. We got to roast marshmallows with the vents as well. It was so, so it was so cool. Like I never expected like to see the, the things that I saw. They have a lava store up there where they make like these things out of lavas, necklaces and, and rings and all kinds of cool stuff. I've never seen that at any of the places I've hiked volcanoes at. So. Props to Guatemala on that because they've done something I've never seen. But the pizza, I, I just couldn't believe it. It was like a man, you know, nature, nature's oven. <laughs> so. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirt bags and hiker trash. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. 
This week, we have a real treat. We are talking to a Northern California hiker and self-described ecotherapist. Welcome to the John Freakamere Pod, Dina DeLeon. How's it going, Dina? It's going well. How are you? Fantastic. Now, I say Northern California. Where, where are you located? I'm actually based in Fremont. Uh, so I know a lot of people are either familiar or not, but I always tell people Tesla, you know, we have a big factory out here. <laughs> okay. And do you drive a Tesla? No, not at no. all. <laughs> <laughs> what are you driving these days? I have an Audi. Um, so, I mean, you know, I like the classic cars, but I know that I'm very environmental conscious. So maybe in the future, a Tesla, but at the moment, just sticking to the car I have. <laughs> Okay. You're driving an Audi. I'm driving an Innie. So there you go. We balance oh. out. <laughs> hey, in all your travels, have you happened to pick up a trail name? Okay. So Dina Bean is kind of like the name that I've been called since I was a kid. Like teachers used to call me Dina Bean and just like random stuff like that. So it's not really a trail name. It's just a name that I've always like been given. But I didn't realize that there's actually like a soybean called Dina in Africa. So, yeah, like that was really interesting. So I think it's very fitting for like me because I feel like I'm always like I'm always learning. And, you know, I'm, I, I love learning. I love knowledge. And I feel like that's like a great description for like a bean that's grown. You know, it's I don't know. I just think it's very fitting for me. So Dina Bean would probably be my my name just because it's it sticks. <laughs> okay. Now you talk about beans growing. I, when I hear beans, I think about eating. So I, <laughs> we, we, we definitely have different concepts there. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you're talking about a bean uh, planted and, and growing towards the sun, always reaching for more. So yeah. Dina bean, that's what it'll be. Dina bean. <laughs> okay. Hey, Dina bean, have you had a chance to listen to the podcast before? I have. I actually uh, have like two Instagram friends who were on here. Um, James, the ethnic explorer was on here, I think a few nice. seasons back. And then um, Roger, who I absolutely love all day. He is, I actually loved his podcast. I did, learned a lot about him um, that I didn't know. And he is quite the adventurer. Like he's been to so many places. I wish that I could tag along. But what a small world, you know, you yeah. know, you know, James, the ethnic explorer and, and Roger Gross, uh, history through hiking. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I reached out to a few people, uh, to come on the podcast before and they say, oh yeah, you know, I, I listened to your podcast. This is going to be great. This is going to be fantastic. And you know, what are the, how many Instagram accounts are there out there? I mean, just millions of accounts, right. And here I reach yeah. out to a couple and then we're all, all kind of interconnected. So very small world. Definitely. I thought that was awesome. Okay. So I asked if you listen to the podcast, so make sure that you know about a segment towards the end of the episode called the pro tip insight of the week. That's where I will turn to you and say, Dina Bean, uh, what's your pro tip? What, what bit of trail wisdom can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better? So don't be surprised when we get there. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. The must bring gear review. Oh, it's time for the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, six moon designs. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that piece, specific piece of gear, even better. So Dina Bean, what is your must bring piece of gear out there? 
So for me, it might be like super lame, but I'm always cold and I'm always looking for layers. So I would say like a lightweight jacket, anything from my favorite brand would have to be Arteryx. Um, I absolutely love their gear. Like I remember when I first saw their gear, I saw a lot of mountaineers and mountain climbers like wearing their brand. And I always wanted to wear that brand and it ended up working out because I'm kind of an ambassador for them. So, you know, it's great. And I just, I feel, I feel honored because as a Latina woman, you know, I feel like in the outdoor, you know, community, I'm competing with a lot of like men. And so it's nice to be like a woman and an ethnic woman wearing their brand. So I would definitely say like a lightweight jacket or any kind of jacket that keeps me warm because I'm always cold outdoors. <laughs> okay. Now, how many layers are you wearing out there? Say, say you're going on a cold hike. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be cold. What, what, what kind of, what kind of layers do you have on? I would typically probably have like, maybe like two to three, like maybe like a, like a thin sweater, something like what I'm wearing now. And then maybe like a jacket um, over it. So it just depends. Like it really does depends because I do like to hike in the Sierra a lot. So I know that it's always cold out there, but even in the Bay area, I'm always, I'm always cold. So um, I would say like a thin sweater and maybe like a jacket, um, a lightweight or an oversized jacket. Okay. And I think, you know, we, we do a lot of talking on this podcast about hiking and, and uh, you know, what it's like out there. And I think for the most part, you know, most of my guests, you know, I have a lot of white males on, on the podcast. I, you know, I've had, a, I've had a number of other folks on the podcast as well, but yeah. you know, that's, that's, I think when people think of through hiking, that's typically what they're thinking of. Yeah. And so it's, it's always interesting to me. And I think it's, it's valuable for our listeners to hear what the perspective is from, from a female. And I think it's also valuable and added bonus to hear from a, a Latina female. Yeah. So if we can, if we can keep that in mind tonight, as we go through our discussion, I, I, I'm always fascinated and I'd love to hear your, your perspective and maybe what, what you think of out there or how you approach things as, as opposed to how I might approach things. So, yeah, for sure. Okay. It's the hiking pole. All right. Half calf, keeping us on track there. It is time for the hiking pole. And this is P O L L like a survey, not P O L E like the, uh, the device in your hand as you're hiking. And I've got seven questions for you, Dina bean that are going to help me, kind of rank you on a sanity scale. So with, with one being completely insane and 100 being completely sane, nobody yet has scored a one or a 100. So it's going to fall probably in the middle. I'm going to, I'm okay. I guess I did see to Roger say. got pretty close. So we'll see about this. <laughs> did, did he get pretty close to insane or sane? I think insane. I insane. <laughs> <laughs> Not surprised. Okay. So seven questions. You ready? Yeah. Okay. First question. Easy question. Trekking poles out there. Yes or no? I was always a no on that one, but definitely a yes. I think they are really helpful in supporting you like with incline. So I would definitely say yes to that. Okay. Now you started out there saying that you were, you were always a no. How, how, how long had you been hiking before you finally realized, you know what, it might be a good idea to use hiking poles. That was probably like 10 to 11 years before I even used them. I started using them last year and I just didn't realize how much, like how great they are for support to help me with like, you know, like the mountains or just uphill. And I absolutely love, I love the support. You know, I, I don't know. I always thought that like 
trekking poles were kind of like, I don't know, like unnecessary. And I was, I was one of those people that would kind of judge people like, why are you using them? But I totally get it. Maybe it's because I'm getting older too, you know, great for the knees, great for my hips. So I'm, I'm looking for that support now. So I'm totally okay with them now. Dina Bean, you're a little bit judgy, huh? <laughs> I try not to be, but that was just the, the trekking pole things. Yeah. That was a one thing where I would see people. I'm like, mm, not quite sure about those. Now, for our listeners out there who may be wondering, well, how, do, how does Doc score this? You know, what, 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 what is this methodology? And I'll just tell you, it's completely subjective. It's whatever oh, I think. So there's no, there's no rhyme or reason. You know, I may disagree with your answer, but if you explain it really well, maybe, you know, yeah. maybe I'll, I'll cut you some slack there. So we'll, okay. we'll, go, we'll go like that. Okay. Next question on, on the hiking pole. What do you have on your feet? Boots or trail runners? I'm all about the boots. I have never tried trail runners before. Um, I've actually had this conversation with many people. I even made polls on my Instagram just to see where people are at with that. But I'm a boot person, mainly because of the ankle support. Um, I like like how durable they are. And they're also really great for like water. I know that I, I when I'm like, you know, hiking in rain or by rivers or anything like that. I just like the comfort of having that. Um, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I've never tried trail runners, so I guess I can't really say, um, but I just, I don't know. I like the ankle support. I like how they wrap around my ankle and I just feel safe for wearing boots. Okay. Now, Dina Bean, what if I told you that statistically there's no, there's no more frequent ankle injuries in trail runners than there are in boots. Wow. I, I actually didn't know that. <laughs> And, and what if I told you that trail runners dry out quicker than boots? Oh, wow. Okay. That's another fact. I had no idea. <laughs> okay. Well, I might have to try them out. I, I mean, I definitely need to try them out. I've been saying, I, th I think I just haven't found a brand that, you know, that's like, you know, I think those are the ones. So mm -hmm. I haven't bought them yet, but I definitely want to try them. Okay. Yeah. For me, trail runners were a game changer. I was, I did my first few long hikes in boots. Cause I thought that's what you did. You know, you, you you're hiking, you have boots and man, after the, the first couple of days, I was on, you know, all I was worried about were my feet and the pain and the blisters and foot maintenance every night. And, uh, I said, I, this can't go on like this. And on a spur of the moment, I, I had a big hike coming up and the week before I got some trail runners and haven't looked back. It's been, it's been great. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. I might have to add them to my list this year then. Yeah. Give them a try. See what happens. I mean, the worst thing is you just put your boots back on. So, yeah. Okay. Next question. How about your shelter system out there? Your preferred shelter system. Are you uh, a tent girl, tarp, hammock, bivy? or cowboy camping? Definitely a tent. I just like the protection. I just feel, I mean, I know the tent, things can go wrong with that too, but I just like having like a roof and something that protects me all in general. So I will say a, definitely a tent. Okay. And do you have a preferred uh, tent maker, tent brand? Not really, actually. I, I think I could probably try out some more, but I, I don't really have like a particular brand. I don't even know the one that I use. Um, it's like a big family tent for the kids and I, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know like a specific brand. I'm totally open to trying new ones. Okay. And side question, this doesn't count towards the seven questions. How many kids do you have? I have two kids. Two kids. Okay. I'm sure yeah, we'll get to this a little bit later as we yeah, talk about, sure. uh, you know, where you are and what you do. So, all right. How, how old are the kids? Uh, 12, my daughter's 12 and then I have a nine-year-old son. Okay. 
they still think mom's kind of cool at that age. Don't, don't hang on to that too long because it, it's going to change. Don't worry. We all go through that. <laughs> all right. Hey, how about your sleep system? Are you, are you, uh, you prefer a sleeping bag or a quilt? I've never tried a quilt. So I will have to say a sleeping bag. Um, yeah, I mean, I like definitely like a sleeping bag. I feel like it's thick enough, but I mean, I've heard quilts are pretty soft and cozy. So I have to give that a shot too someday. Okay. I like this. You get, you have an open mind. Yeah. Okay. How about, uh, how about when it comes to food, do you prefer a stove, cold soak or stoveless? Stove, like when I go camping, I like to have, especially if I'm going to have like a hike, you know, like a early morning hike, I, I need my protein. So I usually need a stove to make my meat, like whether it's like linguiça or like some sort of like, you know, me, I wrap it up in a quick tortilla with some eggs and I'll make the eggs in there and then call it a day and I'm good to go. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Good answer. All right. Hey, is life better above or below the tree line? <sighs> I will say above only because I like, I like views. I really, I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like you can see everything from up there. So I don't know. I will, I think above, I think it's just, maybe it's more of like one of those things where I think of, you know, beneath it's like, eh, you know, I'm thinking high here. So, you know, I'm going to go with the, with above. Yeah. It is. It's, it's breathtaking up there, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now our regular listeners are going to expect the, the, you know, the normal seventh question here, but I, I've thrown a, a, a wrench into this. I have put in a random question here that has nothing to do with hiking. So I'm going to run this by you. Answer me this pineapple does or does not belong on pizza. Does. Yes. I will die on that Hill. Pineapple belongs on pizza. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> send, send me some feedback, send me some, some emails, some comments on the, on the, on the, on the website, but pineapple belongs on pizza. Yeah, hundred percent agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, let me do some quick math here. I need to carry the five. I'm gonna gonna divide by the root of three, multiply by pi. I'm gonna adjust for the average stride length of a hiker at altitude and underweight, and I come up with a solid, solid ninety-two. That may be a high score. Oh wow, that's pretty good. Pretty sane. I don't, do you want to be pretty sane or do you want to be more on the crazy, the crazier side? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind being a little, I think I could be a little more adventurous and spontaneous sometimes, <laughs> but your mother of two, I mean, a 92, that's a, that's a, a solid score. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Hey, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. Let's hear about your background, where you grew up. Uh, did you play sports and hobbies like in high school and how, how'd you get involved in the outdoor adventure cult? Yeah. Um, so my parents weren't really big on the outdoor scene. Like my dad was more of a, he liked the coast a lot. So I remember taking a lot of coastal trips. My mom, she's not very outdoorsy in that sense. Like she's more of a traveler. Um, like she likes to see things. So I just, I remember my dad's trips more in particular, just being outdoors. And I think I got more into the outdoor scene when I became a parent myself. Um, I think it was just, like an escape from responsibilities and everyday life. And so I remember exactly when I started hiking and it was like my daughter's age 12 years ago, um, you know, just to get outdoors, get the family out, do things with the kids, create memories. And I think over time, I just, my love for the outdoors just developed into that. And then I started trying new things, you know, um, with them. And, you know, so I think it's, that's 
that's kind of, um, you know, where that developed. Um, and I was actually raised in Phoenix, Arizona. I was born in California, but I moved when I was about 11, 12 years old. And then I came back to California after I graduated high school because I couldn't tolerate the heat. I'm just not a desert girl, like with that heat in Arizona, I was like, no, I need to go back to the Bay area and, you know, have all the seasons. And, and I just, I love it out here. So plus trees, mountains, ocean, you can't beat that. Yeah. We are kind of spoiled in California, having access uh, (laughs) to all those areas, those different regions they are nice and close. Now, is there a, a spouse or a significant other in the picture? No. So I'm a single parent, um, as of three years this year. So yeah, it's the kids and I, and yeah, I mean, I'm actually, I love it. I've, I feel like I'm the happiest I've been in quite a long time. And yeah, I was in a relationship before that for almost 10 years. Um, so it was really rough, horrible situation and, you know, but now I'm thriving and I, I feel like I'm living my best life. Nice. Now, when you move back from Arizona, when you move from Arizona back to, or, or to Fremont, was that, uh, did you move back with the whole family? How did that, how did that work? So I was a youngster. I was still a teenager when I moved from Phoenix. I was about, I was about to be 19, I believe. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I came out here because I wanted to go to school out here. So I enrolled in college, got a job, um, and was just focused on being a student working part-time. And then after that, you know, as I was here, I, you know, that's when I, you know, had my kid, uh, first one at like I, almost 21 and then my second one at t- almost 23. So. Okay. Yeah. And back in high school, did you play any sports? I was more of a theater musical kind of person. So I did a lot of drama, singing, dancing in school. I tried out for track and basketball. I mean, I think even softball a few times, but I just, I don't know, the sports in me just, I was never that great at it. I just, I don't know. I felt like I was always defeated when it came to that. And I tried, but I was never really strong in those areas. (laughs) Now, I know you talked about camping and and outdoors activities as kind of a way to, to make memories with your kids and your family. Was there a moment, do you remember a moment where was it where you said, you know what, this would be a great idea? Or was it kind of a, a, a number of, of things and a gradual kind of leaning towards that? It was Yosemite. I remember oh, we yes. took a trip to Yosemite. We went to Vernal Falls and I mean, my kids were still young and I couldn't even believe that I had done that hike with my kids. It was, we did like Nevada Falls and we did like, we did, we went through part of the John Muir Trail as well. And um, it was just like a, like a weekend, I think like a long weekend trip. And I remember just falling in love with it then because I just, I, I, I wanted to continue doing it. But I think it was just, that was like that awe moment where I was like, wow, I actually love this. And I think that it'll be great for the family to continue doing this. Yeah. I mean, what a place to convince anybody to enjoy yeah. the outdoors. If you go to Yosemite, I mean, it's going to, it's going to be captivating. It's going to suck you in. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Now, what do you, what do you do to pay the bills? How do you finance your adventures out there? Yeah. So I work full time. Um, 
at, so, okay, I work for a company called Accenture. So I'm contracted through them and I work at Facebook. So I'm kind of like, I work in the products department. So we kind of test like new products, new features that show up on like Instagram and Facebook. Um, and before they launch, we get to test them out. So I do that. And then I also do all my blogging and content creation. And, you know, I work with brands as well. So I do everything. Um, Okay. So you work for Facebook. Yeah. So what kind of, what kind of products? So, Give us some examples. Yeah. So I've actually worked with the uh, portal product before. Not sure if you're familiar with portal portals, kind of like the Siri of like Apple. It's kind of like, you know, you have this device at home. Um, and yeah, I've actually was part of the original team that launched that product. But right now what I'm kind of working more is with products that um, get launched on like, Instagram reels or anything like that, any feature that you see that pops up out of nowhere, like a new update, those are pro uh, products that we go through. We get to see uh, how they were tested before they were released to the public. Okay. Now, now Dina being, I have to ask you, sometimes, you know, I'll talk about something in, in just conversation with people and all of a sudden ads will stop, start popping up on my phone. Is my phone listening to me? Is, is there, is there a product on Facebook that is saying, Hey, uh, doc is talking about the, the latest and greatest, uh, adventure sled. I don't know. And all of a sudden there's, there's an ad for that. Yeah, pretty much <laughs> straight out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Were you involved in the launch of that product? No, <laughs> we, we all have a problem with that one. I think, you know, I, I see it too. And I'm just like, really, really? <laughs> Now, uh, I guess another question we could add to the hiking poll, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, is he a, a hero or a villain? And maybe, I don't know, maybe you can't say, maybe, maybe you can't say, cause you're employed by him. So I, I don't, I don't want to get you in trouble. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I think he has his moments, you know, today could be one thing tomorrow, the next. So I think, I think it's just the wave with him, you know? <laughs> Right. Do, do anybody, does anybody ever give you any strange looks when you tell me look, you work for Facebook? Mm, not really. I mean, yeah, I guess, I, I guess sometimes. Cause you know, it just, it, it could be a little bit, you know, yeah. Like people know how it is, but then you also get those people from like, you know, back home in Arizona, like that's so cool. And I'm like, but is it really, you know? So I think anybody, I think that anyone who doesn't live in Silicon Valley thinks that any job that's tech related is like the coolest thing in the world. So that's, that's what I've, what I've gathered after, you know, hearing it and living it for so many years now. Right now, are you working from home or do you have, you have to go into an office? Um, I was working from home for almost two and a half years. Um, and then I went back into the office like a few, yeah, it's almost been, I think almost a year actually. So I'm in the office right now. Okay. And are you primarily a weekend warrior or do you, do you get enough time off from Facebook to do some extended trips out there? Yeah. So it's Monday through Friday. So my weekends are definitely where I plan my adventures and I do things and I definitely am big on mental health. Um, and I always make that clear to like my boss and even the people I work around. If I need time off, I will prioritize taking time off. Um, I do tend to be a workaholic, but when I know how to break, you know, away from that, just because I'm very conscious of my mental health. Okay. Now, ecotherapy, I mentioned that you're an ecotherapist. Yeah. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about that. What is, what is that all about? 
Yeah. So I don't think a lot of people realize that there's a word for nature therapy, which is equal to equal ecotherapy. And it's basically ways that you, or, you know, techniques and ways where you connect with nature and it helps you. It could be very therapeutic. It can be healing, inspiring, motivating. And so it kind of like that encompasses like the whole word of ecotherapy is just techniques and ways to connect with nature and, and find your escape from like everyday life. Okay. And as an ecotherapist, are you just partaking in that yourself or are you spreading the word on this? I definitely spread the word on it as much as I can. I even try to incorporate that in my content. So um, I, I'll like make a reel and I'll talk about water or the benefits of like what listening to water can do because um, they have a lot of benefits. And there's just like various little things that I try to incorporate in my content um, to bring peace. You know, if, if somebody just stops for one quick second and sees my video and they feel calm or they hear that sound. I, 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 and, then, and I get a message or a comment from them saying that was great or I really needed that. I've accomplished my goal right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right now, a lot of people out on the trail are, especially on the longer trails, they're out there working on things. They're working on themselves. Uh, they've, they've, they've got something that they're wrestling with out there. Even if you're hiking with a group out there on a long trail, you're not hiking side by side. You know, oftentimes there's, you know, half mile, mile, two miles in between you during the day because people hike at different speeds. And so you're alone with your thoughts and you're processing things. What is it about nature that makes it so therapeutic? I think it's just like the connection. I don't know. I don't, I, I think in, for me in particular, it's the small things like the sounds that I hear, the things that I'm smelling. Um, I, I really try to engage with it and connect with it on a deeper level. And, you know, sometimes I'll even close my eyes when I'm out there just to really, you know, indulge in that moment. And so I think it's just that, like the touching, the feeling of like dirt or rock or, you know, um, the sounds and stuff. I think just all of that, it's, it gives you a change of, you know, perspective and maybe, you know, it gets you out of that routine that you're constantly in. And all you're thinking about is just that moment. So I think that's, that's how I would define it in my, and maybe it's like that for other people, but I, I guess I can't say for everyone. Mm -hmm. Now, I've heard people say that our natural state is not to be living in houses and cities and dense populations that, you know, from a long, long time ago, you know, we evolved to, you know, exist, coexist with nature and out in nature. And that, you know, if we spend too much time away from it, we, we, I don't know, get depressed, we uh, are not feeling the same, not feeling as good as we should. And that recharge, that reconnection with, with nature and the environment is very helpful. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. Okay. Yeah. Cause I know that when I'm even, even now, like, I think I started realizing that like around the COVID era when, when I would go, cause I was hiking so much around that time. I was just constantly going and I feel like, um, when I wasn't doing it, if I would go like at least more than two weeks without a hike, I was going insane. I was, I don't know. It, I would have like a attitude shift, an attitude change, like, you know, and I know seasonal depression, depending on the season, I would just feel blue. So I, I feel like I can't go like more than two weeks without, you know, doing something and really diving into something related to nature. It just, I don't know. It changes my whole mindset and it, it's not really in the positive way. So yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And we're all walking around with phones in our hands, right? 
in, in, in our regular life. You know, we're, we're looking at these small screens. We are constantly monitoring social media or when the next appointment is. And you know, I know when I'm doing that, I have a tendency not to pay attention to what's around me. You know, mm-hmm. I am, I'm, I'm always looking elsewhere and not at the experiencing the moment. And I think that's another part of getting out in nature. You are experiencing the moment out there. You're, you're more in the now instead yeah. of looking forward to the next appointment or the, the next thing you have to get done. Yeah, that's so true. Very relatable in every sense. Yeah, I know. And I know I'm guilty of it. I think everyone's guilty of it, you know, trying to be more present in the moment and not be so glued to the devices and, you know, the the computers and all of that. So yeah, that's that's something that I have to remind myself on a weekly basis. Like how, how long have we been doing this? You know, I've actually taken kind of like a break the past two days from Instagram, just I just really need that sometimes, you know, despite what the algorithm is probably going to do to my content or my audience. I'm like, I don't care. My, my mental health is more important than that. So, Oh, you mentioned the A word algorithm. (laughs) Explain that. What is, what is that all about? So if you take a couple of days off, what, what does it do to the algorithm and, and what the heck is an algorithm? Yeah. So the algorithm is basically, well, gosh, I don't know the exact definition of it, but I know an algorithm is just like a way for a platform to like, it's, I don't even know like how to explain it. I know like what it is, but I think it's just keeping tabs on like how you are connecting to your audience as a user. How do you use our platform and what do you do? And I think it, they just, that's all part of the algorithm. And I, and when you don't post consistently and you're not like interacting with your audience, you lose followers. And I've, I've experienced that a lot lately where I've been taking at least one to two days a week, you know, off of social media and I'll come back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've lost like 15, 20 followers, you know? And so, yeah, it just like, it's almost like if you're not feeding the algorithm, it doesn't reward you. So, you know, it's like, you're going to (laughs) starve. I guess that's the best way to put it. Okay. Now, personal question. You don't have to answer it if you don't want. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. All right. How about your kids? 12 and nine. Do they have smartphones? They, uh, so my daughter, they both have smartphones, but only my daughter has service. Uh, since, you know, I need to be able to communicate with her. She's a little bit older. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they do have devices and it's just their phone. They don't have, they used to have like Kindles and other devices, but I've limited to just one. Okay. And do they have social media? My son doesn't, my daughter, she does, but that's a whole nother story that, you know, yeah, she was in big trouble for that one. So what can you do? She, she has it now and I monitor it. So we're good. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's important that, that if they do have it, that it's, it's closely checked as they yeah. are, especially when they're, they're just getting into their teenage years, early teenage years. Um, exactly. You know, being an educator, being in a school system, I, I know how much kids are dependent on that and how much trouble it can stir up if it's not, oh, yeah. if it's not watched effectively. <laughs> Exactly. So I'm, I'm pretty strict on it when it comes to that. That's why I'm always advocating to them. We need to be outdoors. We need to, you know, when we're outdoors, I'm like, maybe I'll let them eventually, sometimes I'll let them so they can take some pictures because they like taking pictures as well of like nature. But most of the time it's like, nope, you're not going to be on your phone. We're enjoying the moment as a family. So. Yeah, I think balance is the key. And I know that you and I are, are of a different generation. I grew up in the 80s in the San Fernando Valley. Uh, which is the valley just north of Los Angeles. You know, people talk about the valley or the movies back in the 80s, talk about the valley. That's that's the valley. And growing up in the 80s, 
you know, without a smartphone, without pagers, you know, this, this is all before that, you know, you'd leave the house and you'd, you'd be wandering the streets with your buddies and are off at the park. And, you know, the, the rule was you had to be home by dinner, but be home before yeah. it got dark and yeah. you had no way to communicate with your parents. You just, you were just on your own out there. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, that's as pros and cons, right? And yeah, for sure. uh, you are from a generation probably when, uh, you know, cell phones were just getting started. Yes. No, I, so I actually was born in 88. So mm-hmm. I'm a 90s baby. And I, I tell my kids stories all the time about how we used to climb trees and, yeah. you know, we'd be outside playing tag and there was no technology. Like, yeah, there was video games every now and then, or the, you know, I to put in a tape on the VHR or VHS and watch something and, you know, like those kinds of things. But I, I, I think the night, I know I'm biased. I think the nineties is such a great time to be raised because we were right. You know, pagers was still around. I got to see cassettes and, and, um, CDs and all of that. And I share that with my kids all the time, but I just feel like I was so present. I feel like I learned so much about the world. And now, I mean, you can learn about the world. It's just different, you know? And so, um, yeah, so I, I definitely can relate to what you're saying because I feel like I got a little bit of that too. But then the 2000s came, and then that's when the technology started. So I, I was kind of in the middle, I guess. And maybe that's another question I should add to the hiking poll. Another random question I should throw in there: What what is the best decade to grow up in? The 80s, 90s, or 2000s? And I will I will die on the hill that it's the 80s. It's the 80s, definitely. We can argue about that. And I am by no means you know, anti-technology. I mean, here I am talking yeah. to you via a laptop with a sound soundboard and my smartphone connected to mm-hmm. it and all kinds of stuff going on. I'm posting yeah. on Instagram myself, but I think balance is important. I think um, it's always interesting to see how each generation interacts with each other and with, with technology. And I see a lot of kids these days, mine, mine included, who will go to a family gathering and, you know, that we sit on the couch, each one of them with, with the phone in their hands, you know, checking, yeah. checking in with their friends and whatever else. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's important to, uh, you know, get the, get those phones put away occasionally and, and, you know, play some cards, go hike, uh, do something outdoors and, oh, yeah. and uh, inter- interact with live people. Exactly. And I think a lot of the people, anybody who's in the outdoor community, I think we get it. You know, because I feel like almost every everyone I'm talking to in the outdoor community, they have very similarities when it's either to raising their kids or <clears throat> how they deal with the relationships, whether it's a family or like a you know a loved one or a romantic relationship. It's like we put our phones away at a certain time, and you know we devote time to each other as a family or as a couple or whatever, however that might be presented. So I, I feel like we get it because we need that outdoor therapy out there. <laughs> Yeah, Dina Bean, thank you very much for politely reminding me that anybody who's probably listening to this podcast, I don't need to explain this to them. They, they already get it. So oh, yeah. I, I've just spent the last 10 minutes talking about something that, that they already agree with. So but you good. never know, there might be somebody who just like hears it for the first time, like, hey, I didn't, I didn't think of that. So <laughs> ecotherapy. Yeah. All right. Hey, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna hear about some of your adventures out there. And uh, stories from the trail and also, you know, what it's like out there with a a couple of preteens. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, 
topical insect repellents and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your pod- podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking to Dina Bean from Fremont, California, and uh, she's the mother of two kids, 12 and nine. And tell us, you know, what it's like going camping with the kids. Do you do you do multi-day trips? Do you do more like car camping with the kids? How does that work? It's kind of a mul- more of a multi-day, um, you know, like it can be yeah, I can vary two to three days. Um, typically in the Sierras where I go, one of their favorite places to go that I like to take them to once a year is uh, usually Pinecrest. They really love Pinecrest Lake. Um, but yeah, we just like, we, we just spend a few days out there. That's usually the way that we do it. Okay. And so are you, you park the car, you go to the trailhead and you head out for a few days? Oh, well, I mean, we've only done that once, um, but mainly I got, cause, okay. So I know there's car camping. So I guess it's kind of like, I don't even know it, like what the name of it is. You know, you just, I I bring the car with me, but then we pack our stuff and like the car's like still close enough, but we're like, you know, we have everything close by. So yeah, I, that's usually what we do. You know, I pack everything up pack the car up. Um, we don't necessarily sleep in the car. We have our tent, we have all our supplies and everything with us, but the car's still close enough in case we need to leave or anything happens. Right. The car's at the campsite. It's just, it's, you know, a matter of like 15, 20 feet away. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's traditional car camping. I didn't mean to Got imply that you, you camp in the car, but you, yeah, no, cause you, I know people the do that now. It's like a huge equipment. thing. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of van life going on right now. I mean, there's a lot of people who have, uh, 
kind of built out their vans or, or trucks and are out there on the road just exploring. So yeah, I, I get where that confusion might come from. Yeah. That's why I was like, wait, so car camping, because I know a lot of people are starting to even use their Prius and things like that. And I'm like, that's so creative and so cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And are, do you always do your trips with your kids? No. So usually it's a combination of both. I'll do trips with them. Um, I do solo adventuring as well. I feel very empowered as a woman to be out on the trails. I I just think it's so amazing just to be able to do things uh, like on my own. I'm always learning. There's probably a lot more than I can continue to learn. And I'm always trying to educate myself. So I make the right decisions when I'm out there. So I, 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 I don't know. I just feel like such a, like, like an independent, strong woman when I'm out there doing things on my own and just enjoying nature. I love that quiet time and being away from everybody. Okay. Now you said you make the right decisions out there. Now I'm wondering how that varies uh, by gender. You know, when I'm, when I'm going out, when I'm packing up, I'm going on a, on a trip, um, what might be the right decision in my mind I mean, that'd be maybe a whole different fact set than, than what you're thinking of when you're thinking of right decisions. How does, how does that work for a a female solo hiker out there? Yeah. So I think the number one thing that comes to mind to start with is usually letting somebody know where you're going. Um, You know, whether it's like the location or if you can't really give them like exact place, maybe give them the coordinates um, of where you're going to be. So just letting somebody know um, where they're going to be. And then I think from the other thing that comes to mind is making sure that all my devices and everything is charged, that everything's working. Um, Because I actually had a so I actually took a solo trip to Lake Tahoe. It was a solo road trip to Lake Tahoe last year. And I had like an older version of an iPhone. And I remember I was hiking with a friend like three weeks before that trip. And her all trails, she was using all trails. We were both using it. And mine, like my phone just died, like within like 30 minutes while we were hiking. And it was a bummer. Cause I didn't really get to take too many pictures or anything, but she's like, you really need to get that fixed. Like if you're taking your first solo road trip, you, you should really like upgrade your phone. Now I think that's a sign and like, get it done. And she was absolutely right. Because I mean, I was in traffic for a long time getting there. This was like when the like skiing season had just started and it was crazy. And so I was really like thankful that she said that and called me out on it because, you know, that's something that I I probably should have thought of before. So, (laughs) yeah. So, you know, just like things like that, like letting somebody know where you're going, having your devices and your things ready to go. I think just having the necessary things like a first aid kit is always huge for me. Those kinds of things, just being prepared. Prepared. And that's, that's what I, you know, I, I, to answer your question, I think it's just being conscious of like safety and my surroundings and letting somebody know where I'm going. And, you know, I, I think I feel confident that I'm, I'm good to go at that point. Okay. And we had Christine Reed, author of Alone in Wonderland on the podcast last season. And she really talked to us about the, you know, she grew up in America with the message from her parents that to always beware the stranger, you know, protect yourself, make sure that you are uh, aware of your surroundings. And she spent some time talking about how that translated to being on the trail. And she tried not to live her life in fear out there. I mean, I, I think it was, you know, Alone in Wonderland was all about kind of breaking that mold and realizing that, you know, not, not everything is out to get you. Yeah. And so as, as a female on the trail, um, any, any considerations about that kind of uh, awareness out there. 
Yes, definitely. It comes to mind. I mean, sometimes I feel, no, not sometimes. Most of the time I feel like I'm pretty safe for the most part. I definitely worry more about like wildlife than I do anything else. Like, yeah, I know that you have to be careful with like strangers and things like that. So I, I feel like, you know, I don't know, I guess you can never be too cautious with that. Like you always have to have your shoulder, you know, you always have to keep your eye on that because you never know. Um, so I, yeah, I definitely agree that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of truth to that. And, but I think it's definitely, if it was engraved more and you, you constantly hear about it, um, I, you, you only put more fear. And so I think that you kind of just have to mute a little bit of that when you're out there and just try to enjoy the moment, be prepared, you know, just be in the moment and, and try to actually realize, you know, like, I, I guess, maybe, yeah, ca being cautious is definitely something that I do, but I just don't, I don't like to overthink it. Cause then I know that if I'm overthinking, I'm just going to like talk myself out of it and I'm never going to do it. Right. Right. Now let's, uh, let's talk about from the Latina perspective, you know, um, we said earlier that, you know, a lot of folks on the trail out there are white males. And so, uh, tell us about the Latina perspective. I know it's, you're not seeing a lot of folks out there that look like you. And, you know, we've, we spent some time talking to, uh, your friend, uh, James, the ethnic explorer. We've talked to Derek Lugo. We've talked to, uh, Andrew Alexander King and heard about their experiences. And I think the, the trail, the trail is for everybody. The trail is the, the, I think it's the great equalizer. It doesn't care. It, it doesn't care where you come from. It doesn't care your socioeconomic status. It doesn't mm -hmm. care you know, uh, what you look like. Um, it's a great equalizer and it, and it's, it should be for everybody. And unfortunately, um, we don't see an equal representation out on the trail. Yeah, that's, that's very, very true. And I think it's just, I mean, we've, I've had discussions like this before with my, both the, you know, many with the Latino community and then just other people of color. And it, I think it just always boils down to just like, maybe our families, they weren't educated enough on it. And maybe they couldn't afford a lot of like outdoor gear and things like that. So for me, like, yeah, it is very, it's also very empowering that I'm out there and I'm a Latina woman. Um, and you know, there are some moments where like, cause I used to be an ambassador for a hike, all women's hiking group. And most of them were never like, looked like me. And I was always like that one person of color with, within each group. And so, you know, like it, I don't know, like, I don't, it doesn't make me uncomfortable, but it's, I guess it pops in my head every now and then. Um, but I try to just like enjoy it and, and, you know, empower other women to, to do it. And, you know, um, I know it's easier said than done because I've talked to people in my community, like, yeah, but you know, everything's expensive and we, you know, it's just like educating them, like directing them in the right place. So they know the resources and that it is affordable and you don't have to own all this, you know, crazy expensive stuff. There's other ways around it. And I think it's just educating people and, and bringing awareness to that. Yeah. You don't have to own, the, the 12 ounce $799 tent. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of other options that are, are more affordable. They may, might weigh a little more, but again, you know, carry the weight and, and enjoy what's out there. Uh, a number of guests have come through on their pro tip and said, you know, don't let equipment be the barrier to you getting out there. Don't think yeah. that you've got to save up and you've got to buy the, the latest and the greatest. Uh, just get some adequate equipment and get out there and experience it. Don't let that get in your way. And I think as a person of color, uh, you sharing your story, you, you posting on social media, you using whatever platform you have available to you to show yourself out there. I think that that kind of breaks ground and shows other people of color that, Hey, 
this this is for me too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I love it. I love advocating for it. And I love like representing my community and, you know, it does have its moments. Sometimes it is a little discouraging, you know, I think it's more discouraging, discouraging as like a creator, because sometimes I don't know if I'm making a difference or if I'm inspiring people. And maybe that's just me like overthinking everything. Um, And so I don't know, like, I wish there was more representation, but I, I, all we have, all we can do is just keep talking about it and, you know, just bring awareness to the situation. So people, people can know about it. And if other people are interested, like, Hey, you know, here are resources or this is how, how you can get started. And I always tell people with anything, like, just do it, just do it. Don't overthink it. Just go for it. That's right. Have you happened to read the book by Derek Lugo, the unlikely through hiker? No, I haven't. Oh, it's a great story. He's, he's a, uh, an African-American man who grew up in Brooklyn, never, never uh, set foot on a trail, uh, heard about the Appalachian Trail and decided, you know what, I'm going to do that. And the yeah. first time he put on his fully loaded pack was at Springer Mountain or the approach trail to Springer Mountain. Yeah. And uh, he, cool. he proceeded to walk, you know, 2,200 miles up to Maine. And it, he, awesome. he's quite a storyteller. It's a great book. That's great. I, I definitely am inspired by that. I know that there's only one Latina woman that I know who's done the PCT because I actually have hiked with her before and I want to do the PCT. That's a, like something that I dream to do. And I think she said that there's only like 1% or 2% of Latinas have actually like hiked the PCT. And I was just like, wow, like that's amazing. And she happens to be one of them. And I absolutely loved her story. And just, you know, I got to hike with her right before she was leaving um, for a portion she was doing. Cause I think her and her husband, unfortunately had to cut the Sierra portion because of the fire. So they went back and completed that portion, but they did the whole thing. And so I was very inspired by that. And I, I love hearing stories about people doing things like that with through hiking. Well, let's explore this a little bit. Your, your dream is to do the PCT one day. Oh yeah. I've ever since I heard Cheryl's trade story, like yours, I mean, when, when it happened and all of that, I, I, I think the book obviously inspired me a lot more, but it's just, I don't know, something about just being out there and putting myself in a situation that's so out of my comfort zone and very vulnerable. And I, I think, I wish I could have done that. Like two years ago, you know, just like taking off, you know, cause I was going through a really rough situation in my life, you know, and separation. And I just, that would have been a great time to just indulge in that, but I, I definitely want to do it. It's something that I talk about all the time. <laughs> nice. So when the kids are older, when they're out of the house or old enough to hold down the house while you're gone, uh, <laughs> is, is this the plan? Yeah. I was thinking, I've always said, I want to do it in my forties, somewhere in my forties. Okay. Now I've told, I've told Mrs. Doc that if I could section hike the, the PCT, if I just did a hundred miles each summer, I could do it in 26 years. So <laughs> that kind of puts it into perspective. That's a, that's a long trail. No, I know a few people who have done it. I follow their stories and I've seen, it and I just, I'm always just amazed. I'm like, you did it. And you mentioned Cheryl Strade's book, Wild. Um, if there are other books that you or, or our listeners want, want to take, check out about the PCT, there's some other good ones. Um, Journeys North by Barney Scout Man. Okay. Yeah, I haven't heard that one. So Barney, his trail name is Scout and his okay. wife's name, his, uh, her trail name is Frodo. So Scout and Frodo, they live down in Southern California, uh, closer to the border, real close to the border, I guess, maybe South of San Diego. And yeah. they always, I think they may have stopped this year. Uh, cause they're getting, they're, they're getting older and they want to do other things, but 
for a number of years, they have hosted first-time PCT hikers the night before they depart. Okay, I've, I've heard of them, the Trail yeah. Angels, right? Yes. Yeah. Big trail angels. They tell yeah. stories about the trail and feed them and get them transportation yeah. down to down to the border to start their hike. Just really incredible. He has a fantastic book about his 2007 PCT journey uh, called Journeys North. It's really really well done. It's almost That's like awesome. a, it feels like a novel. It's not. It's not yeah, it doesn't I did feel like a memoir. I did meet some uh, trail angels, I believe, when I was in the Sierra and I saw some PCT hikers and I stopped to talk to them. They were like blistered up and, you know, they were like, um, I think we, I forgot what part of the forest they were at, but anywho, they were there and I remember just talking to them and it was cool, like engaging with PCT hikers in, in that moment. You know, I was just there taking pictures. I was on Sonora Pass, you know, just driving through and there was a trail angel making hot dogs um, in the back of her truck, you know, to give them and everything. So I, I love it. I do know a lot about the, like the through hikes and I've heard a lot of stories, but I definitely have, it's not something I've done yet, but I definitely would love to. There's so much magic around the trail and just around the whole hiking community. So much positivity. Yeah. It restores your faith in people, right? Yeah, for uh, sure. Another couple of good books, uh, through hiking will break your heart by Carrot Quinn about her PCT, PCT, uh, hike. And then the last Englishman by Keith Foskett. Okay. Yeah, those Perfect. are those are both really good. Yeah. I will definitely have to add those and read those because I, I I'm always inspired by those stories. Nice. I, ho I hope that wasn't one of you, that wasn't your adventure media recommendation for later. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. I want to spoil that. All right. So, how many hikes did you do last year? Last year I did seventy. So I'm always increasing, not sure I'll hit that number this year. I, like I said, this year has been a little chaotic. I've been focusing a lot more on my mental health, which is, I know like that's a great way to do it, but it's just been, life's been so busy and I've been traveling and doing other things that are not like just hiking related. And so 70 was last year. Um, you know, it was a combination of the Bay area, the Sierra. I tried snowshoeing for the first time and oh, that was tell, interesting. Tell us about that. Yeah. So snowshoeing. So I don't know, like, it's not like my favorite thing. I think the thing with snowshoeing is that I don't feel like I have control over my feet. And the first time I went snowshoeing was with one of my really good friends who I adore. Cause he, he is always, he pushes me to my limits. Like sometimes I'm like, Whoa, I don't know if I can do this, but my first snowing expedition was I think January, February of this year, and we did nine, close to nine miles. And I've always heard as, you know, first time snowshoeing, the miles you do always doubles. And so I was beat after that. Like I was, I felt like I had gone ran over by a truck because I was just flushed and um, it was great and I loved it. But then I tried it again um, like two months ago. And this time it was really cool. It was the same friend, but we, we brought another uh, friend with us. So it was two women and one and one man and we were all together and it was snowing like it was actually snowing while we were snowshoeing in the Sierra again. And it was absolutely beautiful and we were there to also find a swing which we found it was I think it was at Point Mariah I believe in like near Truckee and so yeah it was snowing and that was a, we did like six miles that day so we didn't overdo it but I just at the end of it I was kind of like over the snowshoes because I feel like I just don't have control over my feet and I don't like feeling like I don't have control over my feet like I mean everybody wants to feel comfortable and I just snowshoeing I'm kind of like 
I'm kind of like 50-50. I'll have a love-hate relationship with it. <laughs> okay. And, and describe these snowshoes for us, because I think that when uh, people who don't snowshoe hear about snowshoes, they're thinking of these, these big, huge paddles on the bottom of your feet that they maybe seen in a movie here or there. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm definitely no expert, but it's just, it, it you, you're putting your shoe inside this like plate, I guess. And it comes with these buckles. And so you, um, you can't, you, you can't move backwards. Like if you want to turn around, you kind of have to like, you know, I don't even know how to describe that, but, um, and that, like one thing I did learn with snowshoeing is that you want to open your legs a little bit wider than you're typically used to, because if you don't, the snowshoes will kind of rub against each other and you could fall or stumble. And so there's just like little things like that, that I learned, but I think it's the buckles because the metal buckle that goes like that wraps around behind the shoe and then the front, it kind of like, you want it to be tight as well for, you know, safety. And so I don't know, they just become uncomfortable because you have these like metal and plastic around your foot and you're just like, I feel like I'm waddling. I felt kind of like a penguin. <laughs> so it, it, trail, Possible trail name, the penguin. <laughs> now, what time of the year was that hike in snowshoes? Uh, that was uh, April, uh, that was in March. March. Yeah. Or actually beginning April. I think it was, yeah, it was, it wasn't that long ago. It was like a month and a half, two months ago. So yeah. Okay. And it was snow and it snowed on you. Yeah. I think I posted or I did post a reel about it. Everyone loved that reel. Like, that's so cool. Not only were you snowshoeing, but you were snowshoeing in snow. Like that's probably one of the best hikes I've ever had, despite how I feel about snowshoeing, definitely going in as a memorable hike. So, you know, that sounds like type two fun. You, you didn't yeah. sound like you're having too much fun while it was going on, but <laughs> looking back on it, you, you're pretty excited by it. Oh yeah. I loved it. <laughs> Do you have any tips for us? This, this is, does not count as your pro tip. Any tips for us about uh, hiking or camping in snow? Layers, definitely layers. Um, I mean, definitely good to have the snowshoes. People always have this assumption that like, I'm going to go to the snow. We're going to hike. Always have something to connect the snowshoes to your backpack or, you know, just like rope or whatever it is that people use. Cause I know everyone uses different things is what I've learned. Um, just having that, you know, for snow, you never know, even if you're camping and you think I might not need them, take them and then trekking poles. Oh my gosh. They've been, they are so great with snow. And I think that the one thing that I actually wrote about this in my blog that, um, a lot of people don't realize that it comes with a little basket, the little, I forget what it's called, but with the trekking yeah. pole yeah, basket. that you want to, you want to make sure that you have the correct, um, that you're, that you've changed it out and have the correct you know, equipment to go with your trekking pole. Cause I know that when I had gone with one of the other people, she didn't realize that it was important for her and she kept getting stuck. Like the trekking pole kept getting stuck in the snow. It kept going deep and that little basket prevents it from going too far. So just like little things like that, you know, that, um, mm -hmm. you know, layers, having something for your snowshoes and then the, don't forget that little basket for the trekking poles. Okay. Very good. Hey, have you done any uh, international travel uh, hiking? Yeah. So I just got back from Guatemala three weeks ago. I hiked a volcano there. That's my, actually, that's my third volcano I've hiked because um, I've hiked volcanoes in Hawaii. I've done some volcano hiking uh, volcanoes in Costa Rica. And then this was my third one in Guatemala. And it was absolutely great. It kicked my butt. 
but I, it was, it, I, one of the most memorable hikes as well, probably for the year for 2022. So do you remember the names of the volcanoes that you've hiked? Yeah. So Pacaya was the one I just did in Guatemala. Um, the one in Costa Rica was called Arenal, I believe, uh, Volcan Arenal, or no, I think it's something like that. And then the one in Hawaii, I'm not quite sure. I just know it's at the Volcanoes um, National National Park there. Um, yeah. So this one, the most recent one was the Pacaya. And I think the coolest thing is that there's a restaurant at the very, very like once you're done with the hike and this, they make pizzas out of the heat, the volcanic heat cooks, like it makes, they make the pizzas there. And I just didn't expect that I was completely blown away. We got to roast marshmallows with the vents as well. It was so, so it was so cool. Like I never expected like to see the things that I saw. They have a lava store up there where they make like these things out of lavas, necklaces and, and rings and all kinds of cool stuff. I've never seen that at any of the places I've hiked volcanoes at. So props to Guatemala on that because they've done something I've never seen. But the pizza, I, I just couldn't believe it. It was like a man, you know, nature, nature's oven. <laughs> so... This is something I can get behind. I remember, I'm probably going to get criticism for this, but I remember getting to the top of Mather Pass the first time in the Sierras. And I'm like, holy smokes, that was tough. And I'm, I'm like, okay, where's the Jamba Juice? Because, you know, I, I could really <laughs> do with the Jamba Juice right now. I was really disappointed that there was no fanfare, nobody oh. to greet me up there. It was just like, okay, this is the past. Now, now head down. Yeah. But uh, pizza, pizza at the top of the volcano. Yeah. Intriguing. Yeah, much needed, much needed. It's always the elevation that gets me. I have strong legs, but man, it's always the elevation that gets me. So if anybody knows like any cool like breathing techniques, because I'm always asking people for breathing techniques on like how to improve that, let me know because I feel like when it comes to the elevation aspect, I struggle with that. And I I need to, I I don't think I know how to breathe properly sometimes. (laughs) Now, the important question is, was there pineapple on the pizza? This one didn't have pineapple. Oh, I know, but almost perfect. It was a, almost. It was still acceptable for the yeah. I, it, <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> the one yeah, time guess, I'll make an exception. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you if you've hiked up to the top of a volcano, you'll take any kind of pizza, right? It yeah. doesn't have to have the pineapple. Yeah, it, it could have been cheese. I would have been fine with it too. <laughs> All right, hey, tell us about your website and your blog. What can we find there? Yeah. So right now it's under construction because I'm like redoing everything. It's almost done, hopefully by the end of this week. But my I write blogs about Sierra hiking and Bay Area trails, um, all based off my experience, my recommendations for different types of hikers, whether it's easy or looking for strenuous trails. Um, and then just advocating for mental health. You know, I do talk about ecotherapy on there um, and try to inspire people to get outdoors. So it's a combination of like mental wellness, traveling and sharing my hiking destinations with others for them to go out and, and enjoy as well. Okay. And what is the next adventure for Dina Bean? Ask me something between now and the PCT. So what's the next adventure? Well, I definitely am hoping to get into backpacking this summer. That's something I really want to do because I haven't really done too much like you know, like actual backpacking. And so that's something that I really have on the, at the top of my list. And I've been talking to a few friends who are like more than well, you know, interested to do it with me. So that's probably the next adventure, but I think 
my the adventure that's coming up like travel wise is I'm going to Mexico in July and that's not related I mean there is going to be a little bit of hiking and you know going to the ocean but it's for a good cause I'm going to be spending a week with orphan children and their children who have never you know seen the ocean before you know they're they just live in an orphanage and you know just trying to break them away from their everyday life and I get to be there and love them and and show them a piece of life that's different from what they're used to for one week. So I'm really excited for that. And I get to bring my kids. So it's really cool. We get to do this as a family and experience this together. Nice. What part of Mexico? I believe it's called Ensenada, I believe, or something. It's like Baja, California. So we're not going too far into Mexico, but you know, it's still Mexico. I still have to bring passports and all that. So sure. You're you're very that was very cute right there. I think it's called Ensenada. If you live in Southern California, you hear Ensenada all the time because that's where the, really? the cru- See, I don't know. there are cruises. There are cruises <laughs> that leave Southern California all the time and go down to Ensenada. That is so funny because I know nothing about SoCal. So, so my apologies funny. to yeah. any SoCal people. I'm I'm definitely a NorCal girl at heart and I'm always rooting for NorCal. So I don't really know too much about SoCal. So I had no idea. <laughs> In fact, they call the the Southern California cruise from either Long Beach or San Pedro down to Ensenada. They call it the booze cruise because it's oh just a, a two or three day round trip where, you know, people just get on the boat and oh my drink, drink to excess. No idea. Let me go hide under a rock now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I think it's someplace called like Mexico City. <laughs> or, yeah. Yeah. And say, I, I thought, I thought you're going to name oh, some, some so small little town that nobody had ever heard of. And you come I out with research it up recently. Cause I didn't know where I, people kept asking me and I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. And I guess it's like, yeah, that, that little general area, I'm sure there's more specific. There's probably a more specific location I could have said, but that's kind of like what I saw. So oh, I love the way you said it. That's great. All right. Hey, Dina Bean, you know where we are? No. 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 The pro tip insight of the week. That's right, Half Calf. We are at that time of the episode where you let us know some trail wisdom. The pro tip insight of the week. Something you could share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So what do you have for us? So the one thing that I will say, I mean, I think it's just, to me, it always boils down to safety. You know, like just be prepared. Um you know, tell, let somebody know where you're going, have the proper, um, equipment and gear and layers and all of that. I can't preach it enough. It's just, you never know when you're out there, what you're going to get. And so for me, it's just be prepared, you know, make sure that you check your car too. That's a big one, you know, check your tires, you know, check your gas and all that. If it's a road trip, if you're going to leave your car parked for a few days to go on a, you know, a through hike or anything like that, make sure that you're not leaving anything that's visible um, or in reach of someone wanting to take it from you. So just that anything related to safety and making sure that you're good to go. All right. Well said. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Dina Bean. I just love saying that Dina Bean. (laughs) And I want to thank her for joining us this week. Dina, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Yeah, so Dina Bean Hikes um, on Instagram and then dinabeanhikes.com is my website. Um, those are the main platforms. And I actually recently just got TikTok. So you can also find me on Dina Bean Hikes at TikTok. So TikTok, are you following the John Freaking Mirpod on TikTok? Oh, I wasn't sure if you, I, I, 
honestly, I barely use it. I'm on there and I'm trying to post. So I will find you after that. I'm, unless I, I already did. And I'm not sure. So it is, <laughs> it's, it's actually not the John freaking your pod on TikTok. It is, um, doc from the JFM pod. Oh, okay. Is the handle. So, yeah. Well, if I can't find you, you can find me because I'm still getting used to TikTok. I barely use it. I have my 12 year old helping me with TikTok stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I told, I told ginger balls that I had a TikTok account for the, for the podcast. And he, he called me a 16 year old girl. So, oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. I have a lot of social media support from the, from the kids. So, yeah. (laughs) All right. Hey, remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakamira at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. All right, Dean. I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, uh, or some other type of, of, of adventure media out there to help our listeners stay connected to the trail. We're calling this our Adventure Media Recommendation. What do you have for us? documentaries anything that is by jimmy chin anything 14 peaks i believe um what is it solo solo i believe the one with uh he, um alex who hiked yeah. the you know free, El free Capitan solo. and all free of those solo. yeah yeah and then there's i think there's i want to say the rescue I, I believe he also wrote that one too about the boys who got um uh, released from the cave in Vietnam when it was about to be flooded and all of that. Jimmy Chin's work is absolutely inspiring. It's so motivating. I just, it's unbelievable, you know, the stories that he captivates. I'm a storyteller myself and I love how he tells stories. It's just amazing. So anything by him, highly, highly recommend. If you're sitting at home or you need an inspiration, grab some Jimmy Chin stuff. <laughs> totally agree. That's a fantastic recommendation. And I, I think, I'm not sure, I may be wrong on this, but I think he was also involved in Maru, M-E-R-U. I have yet to see that one. Oh, you got to check that out. It is, it is. Uh, okay. It's a thriller. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the newest one. I think that he recently, I think I have, is it, is that the newer one? I'm not sure. It's been around for a little bit. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Got, got to add that one to my list. <laughs> okay. That's a great recommendation. What have we not asked you? Oh, that's half calf with her. I, I'm not sure if that's a, a Kiwi accent, South African or English or a combination. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that she knows what it is, but uh, this is the segment where uh, I ask you, what, what have we not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What do we miss tonight? I mean, I think we covered pretty much everything, but I think ultimately what, you know, what I like to do is just inspire people and be an advocate to making a change in the world. Some of the other causes that I do, I'm big on, you know, the environment and, you know, hosting cleanups with my kids or even with other people. I've done some cleanups out there, coastal cleanups or, you know, um, that kind of, you know, work. And I've also like definitely uh, into work of, you know, like the work of helping other people. Like my dream, my ultimate dream is to be a humanitarian someday. And if I can advocate for people to get outdoors and, you know, explore nature and just, uh, you know, live in that moment. I think I've done my job and if I can inspire and motivate people to, to get out there. Um, and I want to help all kinds of people reach that goal. So yeah, I think that's like the only thing is that the one thing you, you should know about Dina is that she's very empathetic, loves to help everybody. And I'm a huge advocate in many aspects of my life, especially when it comes to the outdoors. 
Okay. Hey, you ready for a surprise? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, brand, this is brand new. Just came up with it right now. Uh -oh. We're calling this the, the JFM pod exclusive. Okay. All right. So this is your chance to share uh, with our listeners something that, that uh, no one has heard about you yet. This is an exclusive. They have to tune into the John freaking Muir pod to hear the exclusive on Dina Bean. What do you want to share? Oh my goodness. Um, Maybe some people don't know about you. Yeah. Um, gosh, that's a good one. Oh, wow. Uh, like I mean, you secretly, you secretly watch the Kardashians or, mm. you know. <laughs> no, not into that at all. Um. Oh gosh. Well, I guess like the one blows people's mind. I don't really talk about it or share that often is that I actually have like, it's still kind of, I don't know. I don't even know the exact number, but I have like 12, 13 siblings because, you know, my parents were divorced and so they had kids and, you know, like my mom had six kids, but I, my dad, I believe he had like six or seven. So I'm not close to all of them. I don't know all of them. I just know that they're, I do know most of them. So 12 to 13 siblings. Um, so I have a big family and they all live in different parts of the world. Um, I'm Salvadorian, Central American. So yeah, some of them are there, some are here, some are everywhere. So that's probably like the fact that's like blows people's mind. Like you have that many siblings. I'm like, yes. <laughs> okay, there we go. That is a wrap from the John Freaking Mirror Studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Dina? So anybody who actually listens to me on the show, Shout out to you. Thank you for tuning in and also to my kids because they're like my biggest supporters in everything that I do. So yeah, cheers to my kids. <laughs> well, you know, we've, we've got listeners in all 50 states and in 85 countries around the world. So you, you just did a shout out across the world right there. That's awesome. Thank you to everybody who listens. <laughs> all right. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if your volcano cooked pizza doesn't have pineapple on it. <laughs> the trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.